Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful to you. And uh, we know we ought to be because you are the giver of every good gift. And Lord, again, we, we're stunned at your answer to prayer in this venue. And we thank you for it, knowing that it is a gift from you. And uh, Lord, we also thank you for everything that is given to the church for your glory. We know that the gifts that you give us are best used when put to use for your glory. And we thank you that we can do that by way of um, supporting the church and its ministries. So Lord, we thank you for putting in the hearts of people to give. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you are the ultimate example of generosity. And Lord, we pray that everything that is given would be used to your glory. We pray that everything that is given would be multiplied and result in people coming to know Jesus. Lord, would you do that? Would you perform that great miracle? We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, could you turn to Luke chapter 13? And we'll consider the first five verses. Luke 13, verse 1 to 5. Come on. Morning, friends. Yeah, find a seat where you feel comfortable. And uh, we're just looking at Luke. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you could go there. Luke 13, verse 1 to 5. Now, while you're on your way there, um, let me just explain why we're looking at this passage today. Um, so, you know, we believe as an eldership that it's important to, to preach through the Bible and often things around us happen um, and it's beneficial for the church that we preach to the occasion. Um, and in this instance, what, what we want to ask, the question that we're considering this morning is, is there a purpose to suffering? Is, does God have a reason for suffering? Is there an end goal for him? Does, does he see that there is a purpose there? And if there is a purpose, and I believe that there are many purposes, um, what, what are they? This morning we'll consider one purpose for suffering, one purpose for trials and tribulations. And what, I, what I'm sort of referring to in, in terms of what's going on around the world is internationally we've had this pandemic that has gone through pretty much every country in the world and every village and every town. And we know probably people who have it right now. Like, have we seen the numbers of cases just skyrocket? So there is suffering in that sense, that there is this sort of um, catastrophe that's happening around the world. And also, if you're attentive to the news, if you're looking online at all, um, you'll see that there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine, a big invasion going on. Um, why is that happening? Now, what, what is the purpose behind this sort of suffering but we don't we don't just experience suffering like on a global scale internationally um, we experience it close to home why why did my baby die people ask that question why has my husband passed away or you know why, why did my mom have to die so young why, why are we going through these struggles why are we going through these trials what is god accomplishing through the suffering that we experience and that's a question that we want to consider because we're just flooded with it at the moment on the news, these things that are happening around us. And I'll give you the answer now, and we can look at why I sort of arrived at that answer as we look at this passage. But suffering, one of its purposes, it has many, 
God shapes us through suffering. He makes us look more like Jesus. You know, we're, we're to count all trials of pure joy, James tells us. Um, you know, Hebrews 12 tells us that if he's a good father, he will discipline his children. Discipline is not comfortable. He'll discipline his children sometimes with things that are uncomfortable in terms of suffering and trials. But he is a loving father who is shaping his children. Um, so in that sense, those are the purposes for suffering. What we want to look at this morning is that suffering should always lead to repentance. So what is the purpose of suffering that we want to consider this morning? Suffering leads to repentance. So if you have your Bibles in front of you, we'll read those first five verses in Luke 13. There was some prison at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise, you will all likewise perish. Now let's ask for the Lord's help as we consider his word. Lord, we need your help as we consider your word. We thank you so much that your word gives us light and gives us life. We pray that it would provide for us those things this very morning. Lord, would you show us who we are? Would you show us our condition? Would you show us who we are as people naturally? And would you show us who you are? Um, as a holy and eternal God. And Father, reveal to us, even as we look at this passage, the problem that we face because you are holy and because we are sinners. And Lord, help us to be led to repentance. Help us to be led to taking up our cross. Help us, Lord, as we consider your word this morning, to have our eyes turned upon Jesus, to follow him and to believe in him and to trust him and to have faith in him. Lord, help us to turn away from all those things that are not God and help us to turn to God. We ask this knowing that it is only you who can accomplish that right now. We ask this knowing that it is only you who is capable of changing someone's heart. And Lord, would you do that this morning? We know that the preaching is not capable of changing people's hearts. We know that reading is not capable of changing people's hearts. We know that singing is not capable of changing people's hearts. But if your spirit is in the word and if your spirit carries us along in that singing, if your spirit helps us to hear with open ears and open hearts, we know that hearts can be changed. So we ask that you would do that impossible task this morning. Help your saints, help those who trust in Jesus to live lives continually repenting, a life with a pattern filled of repenting. Would you help us, Lord, to look upon suffering and to see the great need of repentance. Do that for us this morning. We ask in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So it's sort of help us go through these five verses. Um, I, I thought we'd talk about first the danger that we find in verse one. So look again at verse one. There was some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now, Jesus was with a bunch of people, and some of the people who he was with came and told him about the scandal. 
and it's a real tragedy actually um it, it's an atrocity it's it's actually very disturbing Pilate was a governor for rome and he was an official he, he was like a world leader really he, he was a big politician who was in charge of of jerusalem and the surrounding areas this guy was um he was a political figure he was big and what happened was people who are jews what they will do is they'll come to the temple in jerusalem and they'll offer sacrifices now the fact that their blood is being mixed with the sacrifices you know it, it, it would suggest to us it sort of shows us what Pilate was up to this guy either killed these people or maimed them had them spill blood and then these people who were in the act of worship they, they came to worship they came to give a sacrifice to god they got killed while they were worshiping or they got maimed while they were worshiping they were doing this noble thing this wonderful thing that we're actually called to do and while they were doing it they got either murdered or maimed and Pilate did this disgusting thing he mixed their blood with the blood of their sacrifices and these people come to jesus telling him about this you know this some um, scandal and then and then you can tell by the way that jesus responds look at look at the first thing that he says in verse two and he answered them do you think that these galileans were worse sinners than all the other galileans because they suffered this way in other words he's saying have you have you arrived at the assumption that these people were worse than you and that's the reason that they're suffering in this way and when i talk about the danger that we find in verse one there is a danger for us and there is a danger for these people that when there is suffering around the world there is a temptation for us to look upon that suffering and say well the reason that they're suffering is probably because of the degree of their sin it's probably because they're worse sinners than i am in other words i'm not experiencing what they're experiencing because i'm better than they are you know i, I sin less than than they sin you know I, i'm clear of suffering uh, you know i have a, a job and i'm not in the middle of a war i haven't caught the virus or whatever because i'm better than these people in terms of my standing before god and jesus confronts that straight away first thing he says he doesn't he doesn't answer their question uh, he, he doesn't sort of explain to them why these people suffered in that way he's saying do you think that these people suffered in that way because their sin was worse than your sin answer to his own question no and here's the danger friends um we have that temptation don't we to, to fall on that side of the road to say well that person's experiencing that because they're probably a worse sinner or, or or the reason that they're going through what they're going through volcanic eruption in tonga maybe the tongans aren't worshiping god enough maybe they're worse sinners than i am or, or tsunamis that go on all around the world maybe that's happening because they're not reading their bible enough or because they're not as holy as i am and maybe i'm going through what i'm going through because i am holy because i am good because i'm not a sinner like these sinners and this is the advice that do you remember in the old testament job he went through big suffering his family died and then he gets this disease that is just so painful that he just it's so bad for him that his skin is just bubbling and he just grabs shards of of a vase and he just starts scraping it off because it's just so terrible do you remember his, his the advice his friends give him maybe it's because you're you're sinning maybe it's because um the degree of your sin because it has to be that why would god do this unless you're worse than me why would god take away your family why would god give you this disease unless you're worse than me i'm obviously not doing what you're doing because god hasn't 
killed my family or put this disease on me, so I must be better than you are, and you must be worse than I am. Job's friends did that. And um, it's easy to act that way when we get so used to God's mercy. Um, here's a little illustration. I was managing a site, and um, what sort of my role was to run the day-to-day -day things that happen on site. And so for the team that was a part of our company, if they needed a day off, they first had to clear it with me, and then I'll, I'll give it up to the head office and say, look, this is what's happening on site. This person needs this day off. And what happened at site was our hours on site were from 7.30 in the morning till 5 in the evening. And, and our contract sort of states that, so we're expected to work those hours. And I had a guy come up to me, and he said, Dwayne, is it okay today if I finish at 4.30? And I said, oh, yeah, is everything okay? You know, thinking if, you, if you're asking me to finish early, there's something, something's going on. Because I just want to go to the gym early because there's a class. And I said, oh, you know, I looked at, I looked at the workload. And I thought, okay, yeah, you can go. And I go for it. You finish. So quarter past four, he starts packing up his tools. And then he's off at 4.30. The next day, Dwayne, do you mind if I finish at 4.30 today? Workload is pretty much the same as it was the day before. And I thought, yeah, yeah you can go for it. For that whole week, left at 4.30. Next week came along. Monday. He gets quarter past four, starts packing up his tools. But this time he didn't ask me first. He just took it for granted and thought, well, I'm used to it now. I'll just pack up my tools. 4.30, gone. The whole week, gone. Monday the next week, I see him packing up at quarter past four, packing up his tools, putting them away. Where do you think you're going? What do you think his reaction was? He was angry. He got upset. Now, we were under the pump, so I said, look, you know, you can't leave early today. You know, the, your contract stipulates that you're here from this time to this time. Um, you know, I've been real generous to you over the last two weeks, but now we've actually got to keep working. We've got a dead, deadline to keep. We've got to do it. And he got upset and furious. He said, well, you let me go all the time. Like, for the last two weeks, I've been leaving. Like, wh why can't I just leave now? And this is what his thinking was. You're being unfair. Now, think about it yourselves. Was I being unfair? Um, the truth is, I was being generous instead of being unfair. So him leaving at 4.30 was unfair. Um, and so in his thinking, I deserve to leave at 4.30. The other boys, the other 12 guys on site, they can work till 5, but that's them. Um, that's what they deserve, but I deserve to leave at 4.30. And do you see how easy it is to sort of slip into a pattern of entitlement when God is so kind and generous to us? Um, there's the danger in verse 1. There's the danger that we look at other people and say, well, they're, they're experiencing what they're experiencing because they're worse than I am, and I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing because I'm better than they are. And Jesus here, look at verse 2 again. He answered them when they... When they talked about the scandal, this was his answer. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Verse 3, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What Jesus is doing here in these verses is he's taking our attention away from this comparison, this horizontal comparison. I, I'm better than this person. No wonder why they're experiencing that and I'm experiencing this. He takes away 
any horizontal comparison that we have by saying, you're a sinner like there. You should not be amazed that they're going through what they're going through. Think of Ukraine, think of Russia, think of um, the, the volcano eruption recently. This passage is telling us that you shouldn't be shocked that they're going through what they're going through because they deserve it. What you should be shocked at is that you have not experienced a volcano eruption outside your door. What you should be surprised at is that you haven't fallen ill and died of coronavirus. What, should you, what you should be surprised at is that you haven't had your, your children die or people who you love die because you're just as bad a sinner as they are. Jesus levels the ground. You're not better than they are. The surprise is not, ah, they're going through that because they deserve it. The surprise is, why am I not going through that? The, the shock is, why am I not experiencing this? Why was I not killed and my blood mixed and mingled with the sacrifice? Why is it that I haven't had a tower fall on me and die and kill 17 other people who I know? That's the shock here. That's the mystery here. And Jesus makes that plain and clear. Don't be focused on comparing yourself horizontally. No. You deserve what they deserve. You're not better than they are. Think of yourself in, in terms of a horizontal way. And we see that in his answer in verse 2 and in verse 5. He says the same thing in both, both verses. Go down to verse 5. He says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, when he says perish, you will likewise perish. He says in a similar way, you, you're going you're gonna to die. But let's just clear up what he's saying here. He's not saying that you're going to have a tower fall on you. That is, is not, that's not what he's saying by likewise, because he has another example. He says that their blood was mixed and mingled. So he's not saying that you're going to die in these exact ways. He's saying that you will die. But look at what he says when he says, unless you repent. So if you do repent, you will not die. But he's not talking about a physical death, because all of those who repent will die a physical death. So the perishing that he is talking about is not you just dying. It's not something that you just experience here in this life. The perishing that is in these verses is an eternal perishing. And we see that when we look at how someone repents. If you re repent, you will not perish, ever. So there is eternal life and eternal perishing. There is an eternal death. There is eternal consequence and punishment. Basically, what he's saying is, don't look at these people and, and think that's what they deserve. Look at these people and say, wow. How come I'm not experiencing that? And then he goes beyond that and just beyond the horizontal thing. And he goes, you actually deserve worse than this. You deserve infinitely worse than this. You deserve to perish forever and ever without any hope of being with God. That's what he says about us. So friends, you know, at the start, I said, what is, what is one of the purposes of suffering? And I said, it should always lead us to repentance. Why? Because as we look at those people who are dying in Ukraine, um, who, who, are, who are dying because of natural disaster, who are passing away because of a virus, or many other reasons why people die and the injustices that we face because of people around us, when we, when we look at those things, we should think, dear Lord, why have I not gone through that? And then even more than that, Lord, why have you still got me right here 
right now? Shouldn't I already be there? Shouldn't I already be facing the consequences of this verse? Shouldn't I already have perished for eternity? Be under the judgment of God forever. Why have you let me go on and on and on and on? Why is he allowed us here this morning? Because he is such a gracious God. The fact that we are all here sitting here this morning, the fact that people are online this morning, is a testimony to the merciful God of the Bible. The fact that he lets you go on and on. When he had every right to give you what you deserved at any moment in time. If he took you today, you deserve that. If he took you tomorrow, you deserve that. If he put you in hell, you deserve that. There's nothing unfair about that. That is what fair means. You get what you deserve. And here he says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He's telling us what we deserve. And we deserve eternal punishment forever and ever with no end. So the fact that if you're sitting here and you haven't repented, it's not because you deserve to be here. To be quite frank and quite honest, you don't deserve to hear the Bible preached. To be frank and honest, you don't deserve to even say the name of God while you sing. To be honest, you don't deserve to breathe the air that belongs to him. To be very frank, you don't deserve any relationships. To be completely honest, you don't deserve to read this book. You don't deserve to have access to this book. Yet God and his endless mercy has brought you here today so that you might hear his word that you do not deserve to hear and so that you might have access to his word that you don't deserve to have access to and that you might hear these words unless you repent you will all likewise perish how kind is he that he's allowed you to live this long to hear a warning like this unless you repent you will all likewise perish friends the problem of sin is universal. It touches everyone. He says, you will all likewise perish. And this invitation is given to all unless you repent. So my question is, has the suffering that you have endured through your life, the suffering that you see around the world today, has that led you to repentance? Have you been brought to repentance? Or perhaps it's now just clicking in your head all of these things. They're, they're all starting to make sense now. Are you being led to repentance even this morning? Friend, if you have never repented, and what I mean by repented is turning away from your own life, turning away and denying yourself, turning fully away from your sin and turning towards Jesus Christ. Now, that's a one-time event that happens when you, when you first repent, but for a Christian, that's ongoing every single day. God leads us in a pattern of repentance. Have you repented? Have you turned away and turned to Christ? But I'm asking you this morning, has the suffering that you have been exposed to brought you to this place? Has it led you to repentance? Oh, and I pray it has. And I'll pray now that it will. So let's pray. Lord, you are so awesome and so generous that you have allowed us to hear something we have not deserved to hear. We have not worked for this. We have not labored for this. We have not put you in our debt at all. Everything that we experience in terms of you calling us is just a gift. It's all mercy and it's all grace. And Lord, we're so thankful for it. 
Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning to learn from the sufferings of the past, to learn from the sufferings of the day, and be led to repentance, knowing that we deserve everything that they deserve. And more, we deserve an eternal punishment. So, Lord, knowing that, help us to be led to repentance. Lord, put Jesus in front of us so that we would willingly turn away from everything else and turn to him. And Lord, we know that he is so bright, that he is so glorious, that he makes everything else look dim and dark. So, God, turn our eyes upon Jesus. Help us to look to him. Help us to turn away from everything else and repent. We pray that you would accomplish this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, friends, um, we've just talked about repentance. And we're going to go into the Lord's Supper. And um, be reminded that this supper is only for those who have repented. The supper is only for those whom Christ has purchased, who, who believe in him, who trust in him. And who have turned away from everything else and turned to him. The supper is for those who know that they need Jesus. The supper is for those who know that there is nothing else in the world that they can turn to. And they can only turn to Jesus. Now if you can make that confession. If you're a person who can say. It is only Jesus and Jesus alone whom I can trust. For this problem of sin that I have between God. It's only him that can actually pay for my sins. And you have truly repented from those sins then come with joy. And here is a physical display of the payment that was made for your soul. Here is, here is a symbol of what Jesus did on the cross. His blood poured out and his body broken so that you could be reconciled to God.